Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome, everyone. Welcome back. Would you like to stretch, stand, move, shake your body? It's been very kind to you and sat still for, for a while. All right. So um, how about people online putting something in the chat in the form of hello? What you wish for others today? What made you come today? What your goal is or no goal? How you would like the day? If you can put something in the chat. And while they're doing that in the room, how about in this room? What brings you here today? What's your feeling state, your wish? What made you wake up and get out of pajamas? I'm always shocked that I can get out of pajamas. Since the pandemic, pajamas is like my designer outfit. Uh, anybody wanna just share something, a word or two? A quiet room. All right, this is. Literally, literally sleepy. I didn't sleep well. So uh-huh. I'm glad I'm here. All right. <laughs> so Megan is grateful uh, to be with all of us today. Uh, and Don, uh, from John, blessings to all, feeling very grateful. All right, we got some gratitude. It is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to the dads in the room and to uh, many of us uh, do a lot of fathering to children and places and people and things. So happy Father's Day and happy fathering. Uh, Honorary fathers, fathers, right. Uh, Johnny says it feels good to be here. It's been a while since he's been at the sit. Mark. And Joe, so thank you. Thank you for your share in the chat. It's a good way to connect. And then I can delay the talk. So thank you even more. No, I'm only (laughs) delaying now. Okay, so um, the talk, there's a very interesting word in Buddhism, in Pali. And um, every time I've talked about this word, I usually get somebody telling me that I didn't understand the word. And what I've learned about this word is that no one agrees on the pronunciation or the definition. Um, So here we go. And I will mess it up again for you. I'm only kidding. And the word is bhavana. Some people say bhavana. I mean, there's many different ways to say it. And it's a Pali word, and there is a sutta called the Bhavana Sutta. And what I'm going to do today is um, read you some poems, give you some imagery from the sutta, and try to talk about uh, some of the inferences from the sutta that we can bring to our practice uh, and help us understand the practice with a little more depth. Um, or not. And um, I had a really, I had a lot of fun reading the sutta 
and um, contemplating it, I were a lot of fun. And it, it made me want to like do the talk and then invite you all over to my garden so we could sit all day. It's <laughs> like I got that that energized feeling of, oh, yeah, let's go practice now. So I hope I can convey some of it to you. Um, so Bhavana, the translation from Pali is, here's a couple of them. One is just to be, to be with, to be here, to be with your practice. Um, another translation is to be with the ground and the soil. And that's significant because the Buddha taught in a time where they were walking through fields and farm areas and soil cultivation, right? Farmland, uh, creating crops or forest. Uh, and to be with that which exists, the reality of this moment. Um, and it's about movement and development of the practice. And it points to the fact that meditation uh, and practice is a process that has a gradual cultivation. A gradual cultivation. Well, this is important. Just this concept arts right here is important because we live in a time and a society and a culture, even a global uh, culture that does not support gradual, it's now fast, fix it. You know, we're in a fix it society and now we have AI. I mean, I don't even have to give the talk. I could have put in the chat of AI, Bhavana, and they would, you know, in seconds, the computer would, um, give you a better discourse than me right so there is no gradual <laughs> we don't love gradual so but but for us to contemplate what that word gradual means is so important in how we stay with our practice so by gradually cultivating our practice we are cultivating these healthy mind states, these mind states of stillness and concentration, joy and calm and ease, the beautiful wisdom insight. Uh, we're cultivating that slowly and gradually, and we're doing it our, our gradual cultivation. And think of a farmer in a field, that's what we are, the farmer in the field of our own minds and bodies, right? Um, to we're, what we're doing is we're cultivating the capacity to have these states rise and strengthen them and allow others to diminish over time and that it takes time. So, um, so again, when we think about the Buddha giving his discourses and trying to convey these beautiful teachings, I mean, man, I look at these suttas and I'm going, suttas and I'm going, holy cow, how did, you know, it's still really fabulous to read 2,500, 2,600 years later, right? Um, that, you know, he's describing this movement watching a farmer till the earth, prepare the soil, 
I, I even now know that you have to prepare seeds, apparently. I didn't know that. You don't just stick the seeds in the ground. You can prepare the seed. Um, it's a very slow cultivation to get a crop to grow, to bear its fruit. So, um, so I'm going to read you a couple of poems. And um, then we can begin to um, talk about this commentary and maybe I'll read you some of the imagery from the commentary. Um, but I'm gonna start with Kevin's poem from this book that I just got um, called Poems Late Dance Lesson by Kevin Clothier, our poet of Insight LA Meditation. Okay. Um, so you can kind of, if you want, close your eyes and just, you know, sway to this. It's very delicious. Okay. It's called Oh My. Oh my world, my love. I forget to thank you for all the roads before me. It was you who led them here freely. My guide. Voices of the wind. The haunt of twilight shadows, the ardent laughter of children at play, taking me out into the wide expanse that keeps secrets from the wise, but gives liberally to those who come with no more than a wish to know. The contours of the holy through the shapes of common things. Yes, we're, we're doing this here in the room. Beautiful. And now I'll read a second poem. If I can find it on my phone, which I will. Oh, no, it's not that one. Okay. Uh, I sent it to myself. Give me a moment. Okay, this poem is called Let Me Be. And it is by Ashley Morgan, or Ashley. And here it is. I feel anxious often. Things in the future are distant, not in my control. I know that there is some level of anxiety that is productive. It keeps you on your toes, but anything above that is going to cause real distress. This anxious edge pushed me to become who I am today, but it is a source of mental and physical anguish. Fixing, this involves taking a moment every day to do something for me and sticking to it. I try not to overwork. I try to use these things called boundaries. I talk with my therapist and with friends. I take quiet moments to examine my thoughts and to feel my emotions, whether good or bad. I spend time intentionally loving myself and practice being non-judgmental. And then I go into the world and pour out from a cup that is filled with self-love. 
However, fixing isn't really what's happening. At least I don't think so. I'm just learning to accept myself and my situation. I'm just on a journey to a more, uh, a more me destination, controlling what I can and letting go of things I can't, like whether uh, and when I got an email. I cannot fix who I am. My nature is to worry, uh, but I can pump my worry brakes and let myself be, let myself breathe, let myself be boldly me. So I picked this poem and in relationship to this sutta, which if you knew the sutta, you would say at this moment, why did she pick that poem? But let's see if we can unfold this. Okay. So some of this commentary um, is from Brian Lesage, who uh, has been an inspiration for me. And um, he talks about how, say you go on a retreat, whether it's an all day or a few days, or you sat here for 30 minutes. And um, the mind just doesn't like to stop and land in that samadhi state where it's concentrated, one-pointed, you know, you're not thinking, and then you could, that peaceful ease arises that we call samadhi concentration, stillness. The mind's like not interested. The mind wants to fix you and things all the time. Did you notice? Did you know it? it doesn't matter what your intention is or, you know, why you can't, it doesn't matter what you want. The mind's going to do it. It's going to go future and past and future. So a lot of people will say to me, you know, um, I want to meditate and I read it does, you know, it has all these great benefits, but, um, you know, I can't do it. I, I can't, it's impossible or it's too hard or so uncomfortable. And then I feel bad because my mind's jumping around. I feel like a failure and I feel worse about myself. And then I really believe I can't do it. So, um, so Brian is pointing to, and, and myself when on this sutta, you know, and, and we'll talk about it is that a lot of us, come to the meditation path with a very linear process, uh, a linear thought pattern. You know, I sit down, I get a mantra, I get my posture right, I figure out how to breathe or I watch my breath. I've read, I read a little on Buddhism. Okay, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, you know, college, graduate degree, PhD, right? Or I go to Ikea, I get something and I get instructions and then hopefully I get a table out of it or a couch, right? This is the linear mind. Uh, I, I take a program, I get a certificate and now I'm an expert, right? We are a linear society, linear thinkers and we want to master something. We want to grab it, you know? And the meditation 
is really about that farmer on the soil, right? It's unfolding and allowing the shift to happen and knowing that we can't always fix it and we don't have control. And, you know, if you have a garden, right, you know that I, my garden, boy, last year it was drought and this year it's tons of rain, everything's growing wild. And some years it's this pest and then another pest and then the water system breaks. And somehow I got a zucchini <laughs> and sometimes I get too many and then I get none, you know, and there's a way that I cannot fix nature to make my garden what I want it to be. And in the same way, we cannot fix our minds or meditation to make it the way we want it to be. What we can do is we cultivate the conditions. That's all we got is to cultivate the, con the conditions. And we need to um, begin to cultivate first and foremost, a sense of allowing things to be just where they are without the me that can fix it, right? I can cultivate my condition, but I am not the one fixing it, right? How do we cultivate the condition? Well, one is we have the spiritual friends and we go to sits and we uh, study and sometimes some of us will do a little yoga or breathing exercises or we read but mostly we what we do is we hang in there with some faith that as we are in the process like that farmer in the fields for months he's cultivating a crop uh the mind will shift into samadhi relaxation, concentrated, one-pointedness, stillness, and these states of samadhi will grow, which we call in some ways the jhanas, and we'll experience it. And it won't be a me that's fixing it. Okay. Um, so we're not fixing, we're cultivating the conditions and then we're having the faith. Um, and, you know, a lot of times when we're in the meditation process, you're seeing the mind getting lost in a lot of worry, frustration, irritation, rumination. Um, and then the mind says, fix it, right? Fix it. And it's skillful and okay to fix it, like in her poem, you know, there are certain things we can do. We can take a walk or share with a friend or do exercise. Um, and that's okay. You know, it's okay to be skillful and to fix it. Um, but we have to begin to understand our practice as a non-linear practice that doesn't go from kindergarten to graduate school, but that it's, it's windy and there isn't a me controlling it. Um, and, um, you know, just like the garden, 
some seeds don't sprout and some leaves get some kind of brown stuff on it, you know, and uh, some uh, plants grow great and some don't. And we bring in this kindness and compassion. Um, and that practices can be two steps forward, one step back, five steps forward, three steps back. Uh, sometimes one step forward, 10 steps back. When the pandemic started, uh, how long has it been? And everything shut down, the world got quiet. Um, I've never experienced a city quiet like that. I've always lived in cities. And I was, you know, as an introverted meditator, I was absolutely thrilled. I mean, you know, I was worried like everyone else, but there was a part of me that was so thrilled at the silence of it all. And uh, then we got these online meditation retreats. And um, wow, that was so cool. I had to get on a plane and pack a suitcase and we could sit all day long. And then the world was quiet. And I thought, Man, I thought after a few of those, and I could take as many as I wanted because there was nowhere to go. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere, right? So, okay, I'll do another retreat. And there wasn't anybody bothering you because they couldn't bother you because they couldn't go anywhere. It was perfect. <laughs> and uh, I just fed up on these retreats. I got all these retreats and I'm in my garden and it's quiet and I'm walking and sitting. And um, I thought, wow, you know, I... I got it, man. I, me and mine, right? My mind is a clear, wide, you know, a river. Oh, it's a fountain. Oh, there's no thought. And I'm totally in a jhana state and I'm peaceful and I can meditate all day. This is like fabulous. And I have gotten there. I got there. How many times have I thought that? Like this wasn't the first time. Uh, and, you know, there was peace and ease. The mind was still from waking up in the morning and going to bed at night. And, you know, all I had to do was click, click. And I was with the community from all over the world with my favorite teachers. Like, I was like, I know the pandemic's really bad, but there's a place where it's kind of good, you know. And this went on. And then my husband had a stroke right in the middle of it. Actually, I was on a retreat that day. Uh, and then I got to see one message of the Buddha. There is no one here practicing. There's only conditions arising. And there's a fragility and a vulnerability of every soul. You know, that it's all impermanent. And... Uh, there is no meditator because from that point on, I did not have that concentration on peace. And it took a long time to get that back a long time, a real long process, long, hard process. Uh, but it did come back and it comes and goes. It's impermanent. So let me um, give you some of the imagery from the sutta and um, yeah. Yeah, the Buddha tells us we're not a self. And that was a great teaching for me to see how much of a self I wasn't. No control, no control in meditation, none whatsoever. Um, so we need to fix the control mindset 
to be in the cultivation. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's darn messy. Um, okay. So let me give you his, uh, some of what he's describing here in, in a visual. Here it is. Um, okay, here we go. Mendicants, you know, it's another way of saying uh, meditators, right? When a meditator is not committed to development, they might wish if only my mind were freed from the defilements. That's just kind of all the things that make it hard to sit which is just about everything, right? Um, by not grasping. Even so, their mind is not freed from defilements. Why is that? You should say it's because they're underdeveloped. Underdeveloped in what? The four kinds of mindfulness, the four right efforts, and it goes on and on about the whole process of unfolding of meditation, which we talk about here weekly and have gone into. But here's the imagery and I want, this is what I'm really getting to. I love the imagery. Suppose there was a chicken with eight or 10 or 12 eggs, but she had not properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. Even if that chicken might wish, if only my chicks, could break out of the eggshell with their claws and beak and hatch safely. Still, they can't break out and hatch safely. Why is that? Because she has not properly sat on them to keep them warm and incubated. Um, and here's another image. So hold on to the chicks. You got the chicks in your mind? Okay. Here's another image um, from the Buddha. Suppose a carpenter or their apprentice sees the marks of his fingers and thumb on the handle of his uh, pick. They don't know how much of the handle was worn away today, how much yesterday, and how much previously. They just know what has been worn away. In the same way, when a mendicant, uh, when a meditator is committed to development, they don't know how much of the defilements, the difficult things of the mind, uh, were worn away today, how much yesterday, how much previously. They just know what has been worn away. So I want to, <laughs> right? All right. She's getting it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So hold on to those images. And uh, let's see. So um, Brian's commentary on this, I think is very beautiful and I'm gonna borrow it. And um, he talks about the hen with the eggs that she's nurturing these eggs with kindness and care. And it is a slow warmth, a slow warmth. And it's, you know, the eggs are vulnerable. I remember a duck had eggs on my patio once, you know, in Huntington Beach. And uh, 
I couldn't believe how much she had to watch those eggs because everybody wanted those eggs. You know, I was up with the flashlight 24 hours. I, I mean, it was really hard on hard on me, never mind the duck, right? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of care and kindness and, and ownership of the fragility of life. And the virgility, fragility of our bodies, of our being, of all beings, right? And um, <clears throat> those eggs easily break, right? Uh, we get challenges. And he talks about she's sitting on the legs. It's nonlinear. She's not in control. And it needs tenderness, nurturing, kindness, compassion. And she's giving birth to something, but there's no control right? She, there isn't a, a message from her boss saying, you will get chicks today at 2.45, uh, right? And uh, bring them to, you know, station A. Uh, you know, even in this world where we are factory farm, right? We don't, you know, the chick just sits on the egg. And that's what that image is potent for us in our practice, when we're sitting, we're just sitting on those eggs. We're just sitting with warmth, caring, compassion, kindness, and we don't have control over circumstances. But we show up for it time and time and time again. We're cultivating these wholesome mind states that we know from research are incredibly wholesome and helpful and productive and give us many benefits, right? We're cultivating that slowly, but we're not cultivating it with a fix-it mind or a linear mind. We're cultivating it with love and compassion for the truth, for the way things are, for the practice itself. And we know that it's the the good these states are going to come and go and they're conditioned and dependent on many many things and what when these chicks get born what we're giving rise to from the practice is insight and wisdom and creativity and strength and good vibes and energy and loving kindness compassion and a better human a better servant to the world right the what's the flowering of um, the ethics practice, the loving kindness, compassion practice, the wisdom practice, it just unfolds, right? Not when I want it to, it just shows up. And what we do is we create the conditions. Uh, like many of you, you come to commit to sit, you come to the uh, sitting groups, you go on retreats, you sit together, right? Uh, you study together, you practice mindfulness of the body, walking meditation, you practice the Brahma Viharas, you practice the precepts. And like those chicks, we are creating not just a wholesome mind, but a wholesome world for others to lean into. And uh, the other, so, so, so nonlinear but filled with love, compassion, and care. I'm gonna sit on those eggs, right? Even though I know they're fragile, uh, I'm going to cultivate over the arc of time. So 
Um, I want to talk about the other image and then we'll stop. Uh, but anyway, the other image of the axe that's worn down, right? Right? In the similar way, with the things that we call the defilements, greed, hatred, delusion, lust, obsessive thinking, ruminating, you know, rage, me and mine, jealousy, the stuff that drives us crazy and everyone else, through the arc of practice, through this cultivation, they are getting worn away. We may not realize it, that they're getting worn away. But like the, um, the workers with the axe, one day they see these grooves in the axe. And in the same way, our defilements, the things that are hindrances to us, are getting worn away without us knowing. And sometimes we just notice, oh, that's gone. That's gone. I'm released. I'm not carrying it around. I'm not obsessing. I'm not ruminating. I'm not going into self-hatred. I'm not hating on other people. Uh, my communication and speech is wise. It's causing no harm. I standing in my truth. I have ethics. I have morality. I can be supportive to myself and others. I can radiate this loving kindness freely. I'm not caught and snagged in the old stories. It just got worn away. Right? So it wasn't linear, right? It wasn't because I got a certificate in something. It was because I sat on those eggs for quite a while, right? I cultivated the practice. So there's a lot more we could say about this sutta. You could talk about this sutta for like a, a long time. There's a lot in there, but I wanted to give you that imagery to hold on to and to um, contemplate. And we'll stop here and have some dialogue in small group uh, process. So what we'll do now is break up into uh, groups, maybe two groups here, and we'll go, um, the, our group will be a group, and we'll go in the other room. <clears throat> and um, to contemplate this morning, um, what does it mean for you to sit on the fragile egg, right? How is that impacting you? What is the process like for you, the slowness. And like the axe, where do you see the wearing away of the difficulties? Or do you? Or talk about the two poems. Um, you know, whatever comes up for you that you want to share with your uh, Kalyanamita, your friends on the path. And whatever you say is like that's um, loving kindness. That's an offering. That's an offering to others to share your being with, share where you are, yeah? Okay, so I'm gonna take the Zoom group away <laughs> and you guys can, you people can talk to each other. You mendicants, can, <laughs> the mendicants can form groups and have a chat, okay. Welcome back ish <laughs> yeah. All right.
So if somebody would like to share for the Zoom group, you can come over here and share a bit. Does anybody like to do that in the room? Yeah, or a reflection, something that was meaningful. Oh, it's like, sorry. Hello. <laughs> so we talked mostly about awareness. Most people are more aware of when they're getting caught and then they're able to sort of come back to the body or the breath. Whereas in the past, before meditation, that process of thinking habitual involuntary thought would go on for longer periods of time but every day is really different for each of us so it's not something that, that like is so noticeable and we talked about i talked about how with the two images we always notice when the eggs don't hatch but we don't notice when the handle is being worn away and so sometimes i get frustrated with my meditation practice because I want the eggs to hatch. And then it's hard to, it's hard to notice the defilements that aren't there. So yeah, that's what I have. Thank you. Well said, thank you. There was another hand. Who was it? It was, was there someone else that, oh, yes. Sorry, okay, come on up. <laughs> Hi. Our group <laughs> talked about a lot of different subjects and balance and cultivation. And I just wanted to say one thing. It's so wonderful to come here every week and have these wonderful talks. Thank you. All right. So um, one of the things that was said, Johnny, do you want to repeat what you said about the cell phone? I thought that was significant. Maybe I think they'll be able to hear. Let me make, get my volume all the way. Okay. Would you mind doing that again? Sure. Okay, turn it around so they could see you. Okay. Well, I guess if I put it on speaker. Okay. <laughs> Uh, you know, I never put myself on speaker because it's like, do you really want to see yourself on, you know, like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, there he is. Okay, why don't you tell the group what you shared about the phone or anything else that you, yeah. Hi, group. I can't really, you're kind of blurred, but oh, I see some hands back there. Good morning. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. One thing that I shared this morning was something um, I'm really into brain research and how our brains work with different stimuli. And lately I've been very interested in um, technology and how our brains work. And what led me to the cell phone conversation was something that I read recently about the frontal lobe. And I didn't share this earlier, but um how the teenage brain they're showing now, you know, kids 13, 14, 15, 16 in that age bracket, their frontal lobes have actually decreased in size. And they're really pointing that technology has been a main 
component for that reasoning and that um, that's the area that is for critical thinking and reasoning. And I started reading more and more about it because I became fascinated and I shared about they're showing now that when we're out with friends or just even one person or a big party, doesn't matter the number, but when the cell phone, when someone's cell phone is out on the table or visible to the per to the party, myself included, anybody I'm with, that the quality of our conversations actually decrease um, as a result of that cell phone being visible. Even if the cell phone is turned off and turned over, the fact that it's on the table and it's visible by whoever is there, um, the reasoning for that quality of conversation decreasing is because I, as well as you, are thinking about who we need to text, who we need to email, who's emailing me, who's texting me, who's FaceTime, you know, all of that stuff. And so I'm not really present with you or anybody else for that matter, because I'm thinking about all of that. And so a big part of my practice has been when I remember um, is to keep that cell phone non-visible or not being visible, putting it in my pocket, my jacket, whatever, um, so that I can be as present with you as possible um, wherever we are together. So I just found that very fascinating and I've been really trying to practice that. And I've been sharing that with a lot of people actually who also find it very interesting who, are, who have been trying to do the same with the people that they're with um, in this fast paced society that we're now living, right? Um, so, and that's just a piece of my intention of being more present in my life and with those I'm with. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you. I thought that was um, a really uh, important uh, reminder with the cell phone. Uh, so we're, we're at thank you, everyone. Um, don't forget to donate and be generous. Uh, it's part of the path. And um, <clears throat> thank you, Kevin, for your beautiful poetry and Kathy and everyone and um, Shannon, everyone. Yes, it's Long Beach. <laughs> and everyone who uh, makes this possible every week. And thank you for our morning sitting group that gets me to wake up and get to the cushion. Uh, all right. So um, even though I don't want to go, we'll end and we'll do a little bit of meta and then say goodbye. Wendy, can I ask one question real quick? Yes. Where yes. is the um, center in Long Beach? I'm I'm not from Long Beach. Um, well, we're on Broadway and what's the cross street? Temple. Temple, Broadway and Temple in Long Beach, physically. Yeah. Sacred roots. Okay. Ah. May all beings be safe and free of harm. May all beings be healthy and strong in body and in mind. May all beings be peaceful. May they have ease. 
may they be free of suffering. May all beings have their needs met. May we care for them. And may they care for themselves lovingly. May all beings be free of suffering. Thank you for your practice. Perfect, imperfect, just showing up. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.